Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. All right, friends, I don't know about you, but I know for me, 2023 has been off to a start. It's been off to a start. So if you have felt burdened, drained, or if you have had the thought like, "Mm, I should probably call a therapist, uh, my guest today is going to lighten your load with hope, and she's going to help you to breathe more deeply by the end of this episode. So I am thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Kobe Campbell. Hello, Kobe. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I saw you laughing when I was like, 2023 is off to a start. (laughs) I was like, I wonder what she's going to say, because I don't know about you, but the start was a little bit rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we're a couple months in, like a good number of months in, now I'm finally like, oh, okay. Yeah. Finding a Uh groove. A little bit of like a drag. I feel like I was dragged into 2023 instead of walking into it. So Mm -hmm. that is exactly what I said. I was like, I tripped and fell at the end of 2022 and someone just pulled me across the the start line. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I feel that deeply. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to bring a lot of, a lot of light and a lot of hope today in this conversation. So you are a trauma therapist. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Will you define trauma for us? Because I always thought that it was reserved for like big categories. And I had believed that I'd never experienced a trauma myself, but then my therapist would like randomly interrupt me in my sessions and be like, that's a trauma. So now I'm like, this is maybe more universal than we realized. Yeah, absolutely. I, my favorite definition of trauma is trauma is a wound. Um, in Greek, that's literally what it translates to wound. And I would define it as trauma being a wound from the past that affects our present and how we perceive the future. And um, you're right. I think a lot of us think that trauma is um, the things that are obvious and unanimously agreed upon. But trauma is deeply personal and is deeply contextual. What's traumatizing to one person may not even like be a blip on the radar for someone else. Mm. And so as people are in the trauma recovery processes, especially in church, we have to Uh, we have to defer power. We have to believe them. We have to believe that we are not the authority on their experiences that they are. Well, and I think, I think there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had and that is being had in believing people and believing their traumas. But I think also people then can take that internally too and go, yeah, what you went through personally, it was actually a trauma. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being able, and you know, if there's one thing I've found, it's that many people struggle with accepting the reality of other people's traumas because they haven't accepted the reality of theirs. Oh, um, that makes sense. So there was a sense of denial, maybe from other people, even from themselves, when it comes to the things that truly wound them and still affect them. And so when yeah. they see someone else, the first response is the response they give to themselves. It wasn't that bad. You'll be fine. Pray about it. It'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's a denial that's um, a regurgitation of what they've heard and what they've experienced and lived with. Yeah. I mean, that not, now that you say that out loud, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a book. You wrote a yes. book. So exciting. And it's called Why Am I Like This? 
mm-hmm. how to break cycles, heal your trauma and restore your faith. I love the title. It made me laugh immediately because I was like, I'm pretty sure every single one of us has had that thought of like, <laughs> why am I like this? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly why I named it that. I was like, I've asked myself that many times and my clients ask it all the time. So I'm sure it will touch on the heart of someone who's also asked themselves that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think that you got me earlier than anyone has ever gotten me in a book ever, because in your dedication, in the dedication, <laughs> um, you wrote to every version of myself, I struggled to love your courage turned all that pain into something beautiful. Kobe, I could cry right actually now reading that I had to stop already. I was like, I have read six lines and I, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh, can you, so obviously it's meaningful to me. It must've been meaningful for you to you, you know, to, to include it in the dedication, but maybe for somebody who can only see like a child and an adult version of themselves, can you explain like why that was so meaningful to you enough that you made it part of your dedication of your book? Absolutely. This is, you're the only person who's ever asked this question. So you guys are getting an exclusive answer. Um, You know, I think that there's a part of us that looks back on um, the versions of ourselves that did things that were shameful or said things that were shameful or the versions of us that experienced the rejection that um, hurt us deeply. And we can hate that version of ourselves. A lot of us struggle with self-loathing, like feeling embarrassed about who we were and sometimes even who we are. And you know, as I wrote this book, I realized, and part of trauma recovery is also realizing that every version of yourself has a wisdom for you in the present. You know, mm-hmm. I looked back and saw like the little girl who was needy and embarrassing and and wanted to be validated. And I felt like embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, you were so needy. You were so, and the wisdom in that was like, you were looking for a love. You were looking for something you were created for. And yeah. I couldn't hold on to that wisdom Um, until I got to look at that version of myself with compassion. And I think that um, I also look back and think of the versions of myself that felt like this is it. Like life sucks. This is just like this, like this is just my life. I'm just always going to feel this way. And I think about how, you know, it was courage through the love of God that made me like almost like fight and be like, this can't be it. You know, this can't be all that's left for me. Um, And so I felt, I almost didn't include that into the book. I felt really grateful for myself, grateful for the way my heart stayed tender, grateful for the ways that I let God use me, grateful that um, I decided to turn my heart towards God instead of away from him. And so I struggled because I was like, does that sound like self-absorbed? Does that sound, you know, and and I decided it's, it's true and it's honest, it's from the heart. So I'm going to put it in there. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And, you know, I think there are people that will resonate with that. Like I said, just from the first page, I was accused once of being fake, um, by, by my best friend at the time, who is the closest person who knew me better than anybody else. And she probably doesn't even remember Mm -hmm. this, but I can't let go of it. And it was that idea of like, basically she was saying, I'm one person with my family and I'm one person when I'm teaching and I'm one person with my friends. Mm -hmm. And while I could kind of see what she was saying, I was like, well, I'm not trying to intentionally be fake. It felt like self-protection. It felt like I needed to be a certain version of myself with my family and I needed to be a certain version, you know? And so yeah, all those versions of us come together to be who we really are. Yeah, absolutely. And all of those versions of ourselves, even when other people reject them, have something 
um, that we still carry in the present and something that is valuable for who we are today. Yeah. Well, like you said, I think every version is a version that God loves, you know, yes. and I think that was hard for me too to go, oh, God loves this pretty, like put together Sunday church version girl, but no, he mm-hmm. also loves this messy, 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 you know, mm-hmm. Wednesday morning, like falling apart version of me. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I still can't get all the way into the content. We have to stop it. We have to pause now with the introduction too, because you said in the introduction, you are telling a story um, mm-hmm. of your past, which is really vulnerable and authentic. And I appreciate your courage and your bravery for, for going in there. But you mm-hmm. said, I accepted Jesus into my heart and then life went back to normal. Yeah. And I think there's a really common misconception that once we become Christians or once we become baptized or begin, you know, whatever the spiritual practice is that life just has less bumps. <laughs> yeah. And we know that's not true. Why do you think people think that? Why do you think that idea is out there? Who trauma? Hey, okay. <laughs> I think, think ideas out there because of trauma. I think that um, I think sometimes it's easy for people um, who are Christians to make lofty promises to other people to get them to be Christians, not because they want them to know the love of Christ, but because they want power. You know, like something. Mm, can I you explain learned. that? Yeah, like you know, I think that a lot of people use the guise of the gospel for a following you know, the guys of the gospel for, for a flock of their own, you know, and we see that, um, in the gospels, like when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, you know, they're over here saying, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this right. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this right to, um, all of these people, these, uh, uh, Jewish people. And Jesus says, woe to you. You heap a burden on the people and you don't lift the finger to help them carry it, you know? And I think that if there's anything I found is like, and that's not to villainize anyone. These are people who are hurting. These yeah. are people who are trying to find any way to to um, feel a sense of safety and a sense of assurance in their lives. I also think that we want uh, following Jesus to be something that is incredibly supernaturally charged at all times because mm-hmm. it makes us feel um, good right? Like I give my clients this analogy, my clients who are believers. I'm like saying yes to therapy and going to therapy means that you're committed to figuring out what's wrong and committed to living a life well. But like you have to keep going to therapy to actually learn how to live life well. Yeah, Saying yes to Jesus is a committed to living a life with God, but you have to keep walking with God day in and day out to figure out how to live with him. You know, just because you want to live with someone and have signed a lease together doesn't mean you actually know what to do when you guys end up in the same home or apartment together. Mm, That's good. And so, um, I think that the walking out part, we want to skip over because it's hard it is mm-hmm. hard. And so sometimes it's easier for us to make it seem super pretty and flowery. Um, but the truth is people are drawn in by the truth, you know, not by yeah. ease. And I think that when we get, when we really start to understand that we'll feel more comfortable telling the truth that like, no, my life did not get easier. Yeah. I was still depressed. Yeah. I was still anxious, but in the midst of that, I experienced something. A lot of us think yeah. that um, God's goodness um, abolishes the hard things, but what's most miraculous is that God's goodness still remains good in the middle of the hard things. Right. And right. like, and we can exist in a duality that seems impossible for the mind to process. And that's because of God's goodness. That's because of his supernatural power and presence that can transcend pain that we can 
do both things. We can weep and we can shout for joy. We can uh, grieve and we can feel a sense of contentment. And um, that's a lot of why I wrote this book. That like, this is not a book to just make all the bad things go away. And I think that when people who are trying to heal from trauma get resources, they can get discouraged because yeah. they're like, how can how can you take away the thing I still remember? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so valid. You know, we can't go back. And so they don't need someone to erase the hard things. They need someone to show them that there are good and beautiful things that can happen amidst the hard things. Yeah. Well, and I think too that, like you said, I think sometimes it's unintentional, right? Where people, we do just want to promise like, no, Jesus is great. (laughs) Like everything Mm -hmm. is great. But really, I think it, it could be, we're just using it. I hate to use the word systems, but like the systems that were used on us. And that's maybe yes. all people know. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, for sure. this is what I was told to come to, to Christ. And so yeah. that must be how I'm going to get you to come to Christ, you know, yeah. yep. but, but it really is more powerful to, like you were saying, go, Hey, yes, Jesus is good. And yes, there are good times, but also when it's bad, he's still there. Like that is an even more powerful reason, you know, to choose him. I think. Yeah. So what can we do? And you talked about it a little bit, but what can we do to change this narrative and help people understand that a life with Jesus is worth it, but give them that realistic expectation from the start? Mm, Experience. I think that you don't get to experience the supernatural presence of God without like a morsel of courage. Okay. Think of like any of the people who encountered Jesus in, in his healing ministry, there had to be a courage to respond to him when he spoke to them, a courage to express what they wanted, a courage to try to pick up the mat and walk when you hadn't used those muscles in decades. Mm-hmm. Like there's a courage to invite people into their own experience, which is why I always tell people like therapists, we are not here to give you advice. We're here to give you information for you to make the best decision for yourself why do we not give advice even if we know the right thing to do because wisdom that is experienced can't be taken away yeah i can tell you something but that if i can convince you into something someone else can convince you out of it but no one can mm. convince you out of an experience that you felt in your body no one yeah. can convince you out of something that you lived through yourself you know is important to you contextually like no one no one can talk you out of that and so it's therapists like our job is to help you experience something different than the narrative that plays in your head and I think um, as Christians we have to remember that too like our job is not to just tell people what to do and what not to do but to invite them into the experience of compassion the experience of God's kindness the experience of God's tenderness and so that's what makes me most excited about um, the work that I do is like I'm not giving you anything I'm just showing you what you could have access to if you took courage Yeah. Well, and I think that's why the words me too are so powerful, right? Because we are basically saying, not only am I validating your experience, but I'm also going to tell you, I've had the same experience because I think that's where the enemy can get us also is making us believe we're the only ones to ever experience this thing. Uh Yep. And so you're especially bad. You're especially broken. You're especially different. Um, And it's just not true. Yeah. It is just not true. And you never know until you have the courage to share. Yeah. Shared experiences are so powerful. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So once we get into your book, the actual book, it's, we can get past the introduction and the dedication. <laughs> it's broken into two parts. So the first yeah. you've got understanding our pain and then healing from it. And honestly, last night, Kobe, as I was reading through the chapters, I'm not sure which one is harder. And so does oh, that yeah. mean like I'm more messed up than I realized or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I think both parts are equally hard. Okay, good. I think both parts are, are equally hard, you know, in this journey. Um, and I think both parts are equally freeing and equally liberating and equal can be equally joyful. You know, yeah. I think that a lot of us don't have, again, it's about me providing the information so you can understand because without understanding, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, um, not yeah. for other people, but for ourselves. Right. A lot of us think that we can beat ourselves into being better. Like yeah. beating has never created anything other than brokenness. Right. And just more shame. Yeah. And more, and shame, more, yeah. more doubt, more anger, right. more self-loathing. And like, you know, a lot of us need to be invited into the reality that like it's, it's God's kindness and tenderness and mercy and grace that invited us into this new life. And so um, the same is true in trauma recovery. Like we are looking to see God's goodness in understanding our pain and also when we yeah. understand our pain the first half of the book we understand god's design that god created the human body he created the nervous system he created the brain he created the reality that when you're afraid your brain the part of your brain that learns information shuts down he created that yeah. you know um and so there's just a reality that i think a lot of us are like trying to rush from either one to the other or like skip over uh -huh. and then we get surprised and we're like oh this is hard too <laughs> It's all hard, but it's all beautiful too. Right. So in that first section, when you talk about why it's hard to change, you talk about fear, sadness, cycles that we get stuck in, negative thoughts. If you could give listeners one thing that they can do today to kind of start this process of understanding their pain, what would you tell them? Oh, what emotion would you have to live with if you could never do the thing you're struggling to stop doing right now? If there's a pattern that you're engaging in okay. and you're trying to stop and one day you absolutely had no ability to engage in this behavior, this thought pattern, this action, what emotion would you have to get acquainted with? Wow. I'm like, I'm just sitting here staring at you. I'm like, that's a big question. That takes some time to wrestle through, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I love it as a first step because it requires a lot of self-discovery that is about, it requires the answer is based on what you know of yourself. Right. It's a question that requires you to go inward instead of for you to go outward and be like, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you, it's about you and your context and your experience. Yeah. Okay. Make it even more practical because there are people that are uh, we like to repress our emotions. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so for those people who are like, I don't know, like, I don't know what the feeling is, or I can't tap into the feeling. How do they yeah. even like, like help us like dip a toe into this water? Because I think for some of us, we're afraid if we do acknowledge or recognize these emotions, we're going to just like drown and sink in it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I talk about that in the book that I, there's a difference between acknowledging an emotion and being consumed by an emotion. We can acknowledge an emotion without giving into the urges that the emotion gives us. Mm. And until we begin to acknowledge the emotion, we're going to always think that acknowledging the emotion is giving into the urges. 
right? So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll throw that out there. But I think um, a great practical step is what patterns do I engage in when I'm stressed out? Yeah. And well, do how I am I feeling I, when I'm doing these things? Uh huh. How yeah. am I trying not to feel when I'm doing these things? Uh huh. Yeah. And like, if, even if you don't want to go straight to the feeling, like when I'm stressed out, what's the first thing that brings me comfort? Yeah. So many, so much self awareness in this. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And when did it start bringing me comfort? Yeah. Because oh, I mean, it's good too. In the beginning, when did it start bringing me comfort? When did I start wanting to watch whole seasons of Netflix shows at a time? When did I start needing the second or third glass of wine? Yeah. When did I start needing to get dessert every time I ate? You know, yeah. like when did that start? I think that one question is easy to overlook. This is why you're a therapist because you know the right questions to ask, <laughs> but that, because that helps us pinpoint, even like I was saying earlier, what those traumas are. Because yeah. it's easy to go, I'm feeling, it's easy sometimes to go, I'm feeling this. And so this is why I'm coping, but to, yeah. to figure out it's really possibly a pain or a hurt from a past wound. Mm -hmm. It's harder to see sometimes. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, the second half of your book, then we move into the healing. And mm -hmm. again, it doesn't necessarily, I was like, whoo, here we go. Healing. I'm looking for all these like fun, <laughs> happy words. Yeah. And it was still uh -huh. like, triggers, grief, pain, letting other uh -huh. people in. I was like, oh my gosh, no <laughs> yep. healing, healing still sounds hard. Right. Uh -huh. But I guess it goes back to that. Like we were talking about even of going, okay, well, life with Jesus, isn't just this happy, clappy little, everything is always rosy and great mm -hmm. time of life. Yeah. So if you could give our listeners one thing that they could do to start their healing today, what would yeah. you tell them? Ooh. I would say what I start say in the book, start yeah. grieving, start grieving, start grieving, start letting yourself acknowledge the things you lost. A lot of us are, we're trying to acknowledge, we're trying to gain things and replace things and revive things that we haven't yet acknowledged that we've lost. Mm -hmm. And I always say that like, if we don't grieve at the appropriate time, we will find grief in moments of celebration. We why? don't grieve when it's time. You said why? Yeah. Because we are going to be acknowledging that we got something at the same time we acknowledge that we lost it in the first place. That's when it kind of clicks. Uh-huh. Like oh, there's gosh. a reality that like we're trying to like, I, I want to get this or I want to get that or I want to do this and I want to do that. And as we do it, as we get it, we're distracted from the reality of like the grief of the fact that we lost it in the first place right? That okay, we didn't yeah. have what we needed as a kid, that we didn't feel safe, that we didn't see, feel seen, cared for. And then when we get it, instead of being able to just bask in the joy of receiving it, we're also, our brain is also going to be tied to why it's so valuable, which is the loss. Okay. And so a lot of us are experiencing a, like a, a sense of deep sadness in our moments of celebration and our moments, um, of joy because we have not yet grieved, which is to acknowledge and feel loss. So would you say if people are feeling kind of two emotions at once, or they're mm -hmm. like, I'm feeling all the things all the time, mm -hmm. that that might be a sign of an untapped uh, loss? 
Yeah, I think that it's it definitely can be a sign. Now, this is not to say if you feel two emotions at once, you are it's because you did not grieve and like it's always that case. No, sure. it's, it's not it's always that, that straightforward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's never that straightforward. But yes, I think that we can uh we can feel two emotions, feel gratitude and sadness, but the underlying emotion, the foundational emotion be gratitude, right? But yeah. I think that what can be shocking to people i'm talking about people who get exactly what they want and then are shocked into depression because they're also being it's not just that the sadness shows up it's that the sadness surprises them okay right it's hard to it's hard to be surprised by something when you know exactly where it is yeah hard to be you know what i mean like yeah if, if i know my dog is in the house walking around my dog may be like moving around going room to room but if my dog comes up to me i'm not going to be surprised that my dog is there because I know he's in the house. Right. 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 And I can hear the signs of him coming near or going away or whatever it is. Right. And I think that's very similar with grief. It's like grief can be a part of our life in a way that ebbs and flows. But the truth is a lot of us don't know grief is in the house at all. And so when yeah. it comes up and sits on our lap and that's for a treat, we're very confused. Yeah. Well, and I love even the analogy of your dog, because I know I've had to grieve the same thing over and over where I'm like, who finally, finally grieved this. Thanks God, yeah. like made it through. And then it still surprises me sometimes. I'm like, uh -huh. I thought I checked the box on this, <laughs> you yep. know, like done and done. Yep. It doesn't work that way. It does not. It's a journey. It's so, like healing and grieving. It's a journey, not a destination. Yeah. So last question on that for people mm -hmm. that are like, well, I don't know what the dog is. They're yeah. like, I know there probably is something untapped, but I don't even know what my lost thing is. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be grieving. How do they even start figuring that out? You can start by reading the book. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> um, yes, for sure. But um, I, I think the question we asked earlier about patterns, like that's why I start there in the book is yeah. because like uh, the everyday patterns that we struggle to change are tied to the past pain we haven't acknowledged. Right. Yeah. And like, I think for a lot of us, we don't realize that like the reason why you can't let go of something is because it has a purpose in your life. And we're trying to remove things without understanding the purpose of why it was there in the first place, you yeah. know, and when we begin to understand why it's there, we begin to understand what it replaced. And when we begin to understand what it replaced, we begin to understand what we lost in the first place. Yeah. And so good. Well, Kobe, we are, thank you so much for your time. I'm going thank to you. link up the book and all of your socials and everything so that people yes. can see. I mean, even the cover of this book is just gorgeous. It like kicked up emotions in me just <laughs> from the very front. So I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I know even in that quick conversation, that was a lot. There was a lot presented to you there in intellect and in emotions and things for you to think about. And so if you only hear one thing today, I want you to know this. I want you to know that you are not alone and that whatever you're feeling is most likely very, very normal. So please reach out and talk to someone. And also don't be afraid to share your me too. Don't be afraid to share your, your me too moment or your me too experience. Uh, it's a lie of the enemy that tells you that you are the only one. So bring it to the light. If not for yourself, which is a worthy enough reason on its own, then do it for someone else. We can all walk into the light of freedom together. 
Kobe's book is so beautiful. It has so many practical tips and ways that you can really start to dig in if you aren't ready to take the step of actually going to therapy yet. So you can purchase a copy for yourself. You can get one for a friend or a family member. It would make a really great gift. And as always, thank you so much for being here. If you have questions for Kobe, if you have questions about this conversation, um, maybe you want her to further explain something, go to the social media post, comment on Instagram, and we would be glad, we'd be more than happy to answer your questions and help you dig a little bit deeper there. We'll see you guys next time.